The funny thing is, Phil was actually an answer to prayer. When I was in high school, I'm from a small town in Northern California, um, really small town, not a lot of diversity, but I've always loved England. And I prayed in high school because I said, I want, a, I want a British friend. Like I legitimately prayed for that. Not just know someone that's British. And um, it wasn't, like Phil literally was one of my first really close friends that was British. And now I've got a ton of them. And, um, but it was so cool. Like something, you know, that it's just, a, I don't even know how often I prayed that. But it, I actually told him that years later. I'm like, Phil, you're actually an answer to prayer in my life. But I want to send greetings to you from all of the Jesus Culture family. You guys are part of family. I love being here because uh, there's just so much of the culture and the DNA that you're building that is so, so much that we're going after as well. And we love, we love you. Uh, Banning, the team, everyone sends our greetings to you. They're still asleep right now, but um, they'll be jumping in on Sunday as well. Um, if you have your Bibles, grab them. And uh, I want to I read a story in the Old Testament as you're doing that. Um, Phil, myself, Jimmy, you guys all know Jimmy Horner, Jimmy and Gina Horner. We've had the privilege, along with Andy and Ralph and um, part of the team, to just go to several different cities and do some leaders' gatherings. Uh, we were in London. We were in Bristol. Leicester will go to Chester tomorrow. But, um, man, I don't know if you know this or if you're aware, God is moving in the UK. He's moving in Europe and uh, it's, we're, we should be so thankful and so honored to get to be a part of that. And you guys are a part of that. As a community, Vine Life is leading not just here in, in, in this community that you see, but the impact of your yes to God is impacting leaders all over Europe. And so uh, I just want to tell you, well done. And uh, I'm so excited for what God is doing and what he's going to continue to do. But I want to read this story to you. It's in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I love stories that point to truths and principles. And this story is in 2 Kings 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, Elisha, the prophet, had encountered uh, a widow. And um, I'll, I'll read this uh, first part of the story to you. Um, something in here just stood out to me that I want to talk a little bit about today. It says this, The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, This is verse one. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Elisha replied to her, how can I help me? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few Go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the, jar, into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to, to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left, and then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and said, uh, and, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and your sons can live on what is left. It's an incredible story. And I, I love stories that just point to what God can do. And the thing that just stands out to me in this story is, you know, Elisha asked her, what do you have? And she said, I don't have anything. 
and accept, accept a small amount of oil. And we know what happens. But the, the point is, and the thing that I think so often we forget, and what I think God and God was using Elisha to teach her, and I think teach us, is often we overlook and we dismiss the little things that we have. And it's actually the very beginning of something big. So I want to talk to you today about how little things lead to really big things. And here's why I want to talk about this today. I have this sense, I've, I've known Phil like he shared for about eight years, and I feel like I've been with you on this journey as Phil and Sarah are friends, and we're, we've walked with this community from you know, afar and, and at times been here. I feel like that there's just a strong sense that in this season for Vine Life, that this is a season of increase and expansion. I feel like that this is not just corporately for the whole church as a, and the community as a whole, but this is for you individually, that you're stepping into a season where God is expanding and increasing things in your life. But when we do that, we have to pay very close attention to our perspective, how we see things. Because often when God is doing something really significant, we can miss it or overlook it or, or wish that it would look like something else. And that's what was so fascinating about this story is God did you know, an, a miraculous miracle, but he used what seemed to be insignificant. And see, God loves to do that. If you read through scripture over and over, he uses the small things. He uses insignificant people to do the ex extreme exponential things. You know, it started with a small jar of oil and then God came and did a miracle and expanded and brought abundance. In your own life, what are those small things? I wanna ask you just a couple questions today. How do you view what you already have? And are you cultivating, valuing, and stewarded what, stewarding what would seem to be the small things in your life? Luke, 10, uh, Luke 16.10 says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. This, this verse actually comes from a story of a manager who in the Bible says was a shrewd manager. This passage is referring to money, but if it goes, if you read on, he's, he's saying, hey, if you, if you can't be trusted with a little bit, how can you be trusted with more? I think a lot of us, I don't know about you, it's easy to think about, what if I had this? Or if I had this amount of money, I could do this. Or if I had this opportunity, or we, we often compare ourselves and say, I wish I, I was in that person's situation. And we overlook what is right in front of us and right in our hands. We're called to be faithful and obedient because that actually leads to more. It's the doorway to increase. It's the doorway to expansion. Little things really matter. When I was a kid, um, I, I learned, it's funny how li little stories or experiences we have actually mark us and can shape our perspective both negatively and positively. For me, my, my family, um, we were gonna be missionaries in Uganda, Africa. My parents sold everything. We went to a missions training school and when we were there, we had no money. We were preparing to go to the mission field. We actually never got to go. 
But while we were there, I learned some lessons that have, have marked me for, for, for my whole life. Um, as a kid, I think I was seven years old, I asked my mom, I said, hey, could I have some gum? And literally, we, we were so poor, my mom couldn't buy us gum at the time. And so my mom, who you know, was a woman of faith, still is to this day, she said, hey, she, she said, hey Zach, well, I know you want gum, I can't buy you some gum. Why don't we just pray and ask God to give you some gum? And I'm like, you know, sure, mom, whatever you say. So we sat down and prayed, and um, I don't know what I said, but somewhat, you know, God, can we have, I'd like some gum. So we had, we had one car, um, it was in Oregon, we were living in Oregon at the time, and so uh, my dad was driving the car, and so we had to walk to, we didn't, to the laundromat to do laundry, and um, my sister, there were two of us at the time, we, were, we would walk places because we only had one car, my dad was out doing something. And so we're walking in the snow, and uh, as we're walking, my sister was in a stroller, I'm walking next to my mom. I, I can still remember this to this day, seven years old. Um, we're walking by, and in, in the snow is an unopened package of gum. As a kid, you can imagine, this, for me, this was my oil miracle. <laughs> Not just one piece of gum, a whole pack, unopened, chilled to perfection for me. I don't know if chilled gum is good, but over here, most gum is cold because it's, cold it's freezing. We froze you. <laughs> Just give me a hug because I'm cold. Anyways, um, but that experience has marked me to this day. Something as little as praying and asking for, it wasn't a need, it was a want, filled me to this day with a faith and a confidence that I know that when I come to God, not only does he hear me, but he responds. It, I, I, I've, at a very young age, it marked me and is, you know, there's been much greater things that I've had a confidence to come to the Lord for because I learned in a little small circumstance, something as insignificant as gum, the nature of God. I mean, in that same season, I mean, I don't know, this was an emphasis of what God was trying to teach me at a young age. You know, I, I, I moved on from gum to candy and I'm like, hey, you know, I think I had five cents. Candy was a lot cheaper then. And, um, and I went to this store and I said, hey, I want this piece of candy. This is all around the same time. I'm learning the just extravagance of God. And um, I, I put this candy up and I, I put my five cents down. And I think the, the store attendant said, hey, well, it's actually 10 cents. And, you know, he could see the look on my face because I didn't have that. And he's like, you know what, you can just have it. Like, there are just these little things where God just began to teach me, like, it, it, he, he, he moves in what would seem to me to be an impossible situation. But we, we, we don't want, we can't overlook the, this reality of what God can do with something small. We see this all through Scripture. I just want to point to a few stories that you, you would know just continue to remind us that God moves in the little things and it, and it leads to big things. You all know the story of Moses who, who ended up leading the people of Israel into freedom. But, you know, his story started with him in, in a basket, just his sister just trying to save him. One small act led to a, a transformation, not only for his whole family, but for a whole nation. In, in the story of Joseph, Two small dreams. We know his story. If you don't, you can go and read, that, read the story of Joseph and his journey to becoming the second in command in Egypt. 
His whole life seemed to be going in the opposite direction, and yet he believed God, he was faithful and obedient, and the thing that actually changed his circumstance was just him sharing and interpreting, or interpreting two dreams. Interpreting two dreams led to him being placed in the second in command, from prison to the palace. Two dreams, two small interpretations of a dream opened the door to him for his destiny and the promise on his life. David took five small stones and killed Goliath, and that began his journey to become king of Israel. I think it's so easy to look at stories like these and like, well, yeah, we read the Bible, we know the end, and we know what's going to happen because we've seen the stories in Sunday school. But every single one of these stories started with really small things. It was a small yes. It was, you know, five stones, little things that would seem insignificant that actually became the doorway into destiny, into breakthrough, into great and and powerful things that God would use people to do to shift the course of history and nations. You know, we know this passage in the gospel. It says that faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. I don't know about you, but that encourages me because I, I always don't have the faith that I feel like I should have. But God, his requirements are different than ours. He doesn't require you to have everything together, have all the answers and great faith that just can, can look at any situation that just will say, you know, it, it's possible. If we're honest, we don't do that a lot to, in our own life and our needs or the things we step into. But he just says, you know, all you have to do is have faith the size of a mustard seed. If you've seen a mustard seed, it's tiny. And it actually grows to the size of a tree that that's, you know, birds can rest on that are larger than men. But it starts with a small thing. One last example is, you know, the story in Mark 6 where just two, two small fish and five loaves of bread fed over 5,000 people. And the, and, the, and the pattern that we begin to see here is that God, he asked us a question because his, he's more interested in transforming your life, transforming how you see the small things in your life and ultimately how you see him so that he can build us and build you into people of faith that partner with and believe him and who he is and what he says over your life. I mean, even the story of the five loaves and two fish you know, he, he, he continues to ask his disciples and ask us, well, what do you have? You see this pattern. Jesus says, you know, there's a hopeless situation and every, we're just saying it's impossible. We can never do this. Uh, we, don't know, we don't know the answer. And he constantly, even in the story in the Old Testament, you hear this question, well, what do you have? And then God says, great, I can work with that. As little and as insignificant as it is, I can work with that. And the point actually has nothing to do with the small thing. It has to do with this process of us learning to see that God can take small things and he can do what is impossible because it's less about us and it's more about him. It's less about your lack and more about the the answer and the fact that he is able to do abundantly above what we could ask or imagine with the, the, the littlest of things. I've, um, I've started gardening a lot over the last, I don't know, two, three years. I think it's because I'm getting older. You always hear like, what do you love to do? You ask hobbies and like, I love to garden. You don't hear like a teenager saying that often. You know, <laughs> what's your favorite activities? Uh, but it's really therapeutic for me. I'll, I'll just go and dig in the dirt 
we start that way as kids. We'd like to dig in the dirt, and the older we get, we start digging in the dirt again. But um, I love the whole process. It's, you know, you start with nothing and dirt. You plant a seed, and then it grows into something, and then there's, there's fruit, and there's vegetables. And um, so I, I've got a garden going right now, and I, my mom is really good at this. I, I don't know as much, so I call my mom all the time, like, what do I do? We've got bugs, you know. Th- this is a total side thing, but it's pretty cool, okay? We had these bugs in our garden. She's like, go. We didn't, I didn't want to use pesticides or things. She's like, go buy some ladybugs and, like, uh, a praying mantis. So I went to the store. I bought them. I put them in my garden, and it was like Armageddon. These ladybugs started attacking. I have videos of these tiny, I was, I don't, you probably don't care about this, but I was really excited. <laughs> Just eating, like they were eating all these aphids, and I was like, this is awesome. Again, I don't, I don't know what's happening to me. But th- this principle of gardening points to this, this fact of how of small things grow into something big. You, you take these little seeds, and you just stick them in the dirt and cover them up and you wait. And it grows into something, you know, it takes time, but it grows into something that does not look like what you started with. It's the coolest thing. And there's a process though. There's a, there's a journey, there's things that you need to do in that process. If you skip those things, if you just, you know, look at a seed and say, well, here you go, throw it in there. And you're not really valuing what is in there with the potential of that seed and what it can bring. If you don't care for it, if you don't steward it, if you don't do the right things, that seed will not reach its full potential. If you don't water the seed, the seed's not gonna grow. But when you actually value and see there's something in this small thing, significant things come out of it. I wanna read this, uh, this quote. Uh, it's, it's, a pe- it's a portion from a book called The Other Side of Silence by Morton Kelsey. And it says this, living things need an appropriate climate in order to grow and bear fruit. If they're able to develop to completion, they require an environment that allows their potential to be realized. The seed will not grow unless there's soil that can feed it. Line, uh, light drawn, it draws it forth. Warmth to nurture and moisture that, uh, that seed unlocks its vitality. Time is also required for its growth to unfold. How seldom we wonder at the growth of the great redwood from the tiny seed dropped in a random littered floor of the forest. From one seed is grown enough wood to frame several hundred houses. The human soul has this seed potential like this if it has the right environment. Remember that only a few mountain valleys have the right conditions for the giant sequoia and the redwood to grow. For both the seed and the soil, these things all take time. In both cases, there is a need for patience. Most of us know enough not to poke the seed in the, to, see it, uh, to see it sprouting or try to hurry along too much water or fertilize or cultivation. The same respect must be shown for the soul as its growth starts to take place. Growth can seldom be forced in nature. Whether it is producing a tree or human personality, nature unfolds, it grows slowly and silently. I, I, I love this, this picture of you know, a seed that grows into a sequoia tree that can you know, produce enough wood for, hundred, uh, for hundreds of houses. 
And I, I want to ask you this question in our own lives. What are the things that keep us from overlooking, dismissing, disregarding the seeds, the small things in our life that are actually the things that are leading to the dreams, the destiny, the, the, the greatness that you and I are called to? I think some of those things are just the fact that it requires us to just be faithful and obedient to stay in our lane and recognize this is what you've given me. Am I gonna steward this and care for it? I think sometimes we, we dismiss the small things because it feels like things are taking too long. We've prayed for something and it hasn't happened yet or you've been working on something and you don't see what you wanna see yet and so we give up before the seed has grown. I think sometimes we feel out of control we, 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 we dis disregard the small things because we don't feel like that thing can change our situations and we, we feel out of control and so we wanna do something else to change our situation. When God's not calling us to be in control, he's calling us to trust. I think sometimes comparison leads us to disregard what we have in our hand. We look at what other people have and then it makes us devalue what we already have the authority, the influence, the, the, the things that we have that are so significant, but we wish it looked like it did in that person's life. We wish we had the opportunity that that person had. And so we disregard those things in our life. I think fear, fear can make us disregard it because it seems small and it doesn't seem like it's enough to overcome what we're facing. I think sometimes we forget who God is and his track record of using small things and insignificance to do great things. Zechariah 4.10 says this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. What are the small things in your life? What are the small beginnings? What are the things that maybe this morning you feel disappointed about? You feel like, man, God, are you really here? Are you with me? Do you see me? Are you, are you able to deliver? And God's asking you, what do you have? What's the oil you have? What's the little thing that you have? Will you give it to me? Will you trust me and believe that I am not limited by what you see. I'm not limited by what you don't have, but I will, I, will, I will do something that you can't do. And the good news is he does that so he gets the glory and we learn to not rely upon ourselves, but to rely upon him. Our responsibility is to be faithful and obedient to what he said. Embrace the season that we're in and steward what we've been given. Henry Nouwen said this, that a seed only flourishes by staying in the ground in which it's sown. I think this picture is like a lot of times we have these small things. God, you gave me this promise and I believe it. And we plant it. We get all nervous and we're like watching it and, you know, nothing's happening. So we just dig it back up. Well, let's try it over here. You know, let's plant it over here. And, and we never give it enough time. We don't cultivate it. We just, we're like, come on, grow, 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 grow. And so we, we, I'm gonna take this plant instead and put it in its place. And God's like, no, just cultivate. Trust me, I will finish what I start in your life. It says this in Philippians 1, 6, he that began a good work will finish it. These aren't just 
encouraging notes we put on, uh, you know, our, our, our mirror and our refrigerator and our Bibles. These are promises that we bring to the Lord and to our circumstances that he fulfills. The Bible says that his word, his promises are yes and amen. They will happen in your life. His promises he keeps. He finishes what he starts in our life. But we have a responsibility. We have, we have to guard these things. We have to cultivate it. We have to do our part to stand and walk with it. I mean, we could understand this. It's like if you want to lose weight, you don't just, you know, kind of stand there like, I want to lose weight, I want to lose weight, you know. You've got to do something. You've got to exercise. You've got to watch what you're eating, right? Some of us are like just throwing up prayers like, yeah, I'd like to lose weight and just look really great, you know. And then we, we, what we do is actually opposite of what we say we want. We have to take a step. It's the person that's saying, oh, man, I want to get married. I want to meet the right person. And then you don't talk to anybody. It's just like, look down. Don't, like, don't look around. It's like, well, we have a responsibility. <laughs> that seed, that dream, that desire requires us to actually do something with it, to cultivate it. You got to say, hey, how's it going? You look great today. Want to hang out? You know, like you got, it leads to, that's actually spiritual. That's okay. How many promises, how many dreams, how many things has the Lord spoken to you? And you're just standing there saying, okay, God, do it, do it, do it. And then you're just frustrated. You're discouraged. You're, you're looking to other things. And God's like, no, I've given you something. What are you going to do with it? Bring it to me. Trust me. Cultivate it. Walk in it. You're not trying to make anything happen on your own, but you're not disregarding what you have in your hand. He finishes what he starts. If we don't steward and value and protect what seems small, we won't have faith for more. If we'll go back to this story with Elisha and this widow. If you notice in this story, and this is significant, I want you to pay attention to this. Not only did God miraculously do a miracle and provide oil uh, beyond what she had, but the second, you know, she had faith for a certain amount because at, at one point she ran out of jars. And when she ran out of jars is when the oil stopped. I think if we disregard the small things, we actually don't have faith for the greater things that he wants to do. And God wants to teach you. And I think in this story, like if she would have had even more jars, she could have had a lot of oil. She could have had an oil business. But, but, you know, God provided for her needs. But when you look small, then you think small. And that's where you have to like look at the small thing and say, hey, this seed could be a sequoia. This is, you know, the, 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 the acorn, the, the acorn tree for an oak tree. A small acorn tree produces a giant oak tree. But when you look at the seed, what do you see? Oh, this is just a seed. Or do you see the potential that's in it? How we view things actually determines what we step into and what we believe God can actually do. It actually is connected to our capacity. Our expectation and how we view the small things determines our capacity for more. And this is the good news. God is for you and he finishes what he starts. He's for you. He's for you. He will finish what he starts. I, I, I just wanted to share, it's just a simple uh, truth and a simple encouragement, but I feel it's so, it's so timely, not only for Vine Life Church, but for every person in this room. Because to walk in the fullness as a community, which also requires us to do it as individuals, means that we each 
see the value of what he's given us. And we say, God, I'm not gonna try to be like that person over there. I'm gonna be who you made me to be. I'm not gonna disregard how I've been made. I'm not gonna disregard what you've given me because in it is something great. And when we each do that and we cultivate that, not only is our life expanded to the fullness of what he's called us to, but in a community, there's a faith that gets contagious. And we say, we call each other to something greater. We remind each other, this is who you are. This is what you're called to. This is what he said. That's why we share the promises, the testimonies of God over not only our own lives, but over each other. Because as a community becomes a place where faith is contagious, we look at our city, we look at the problems of our city and our nation, we say, oh God, it looks hopeless. I don't have the answers, but I've got a little th- a seed here. I've got something small. God, what could you do? In your school, in your family, in your workplace, it's so easy to look at what's not happening and disregard what we have in our hand. If you have a promise from God today, stand on that and say, God, I believe what you've said. And I believe that you could do above and beyond what I could ever ask or imagine. God, do what I could not do. And we stand firm on it. We hold fast to that truth. We fight for what he said. And I believe that, that, that what God is doing in your life and in this community is not just for you. It's to, to model something to other people. Because when we can say, God took me through this journey and this is what he did, it gives hope for someone else. Because one of the things that, that people have lost in our, our, our culture and society is they've lost hope. And they need to know that there's a God who moves in their circumstances, who hears when we call, who responds to us when we come to him. He that began a good work will finish it in your life. He will finish it in, in every area of our life. Instead of complaining things are too small, we should stop and thank him for what he's, that he's starting something in our life. As we close today, uh, you can stand up and the worship team wants to come up. I wanna just close and pray, but I wanna ask you today to just ask this question. What are the small things in your life that need new perspective? What, what's the little bit of oil in your life that when someone may ask you or you've looked at your hopeless situation and you say, God, I don't have anything. I don't have an answer to this. I don't have enough. I feel stuck. And God's asking you, what do you have? What's that thing? What's the perspective that you need to look again? What is the small thing that you have already that maybe you've overlooked? And with that question, I wanna ask you, are you guarding and cultivating and stewarding what he's given you? You don't even have to have a long history of going to church and be following Jesus. You just start with God. I feel like I'm small. (laughs) Maybe you feel like I don't know what to do. Like, God, here's my life. I give it to you. Just like Santina was talking about. When we give to him, we, we give what we have to him. He takes it and he multiplies it and he expands it to do things that we could never do on our own. 
If you don't mind, just for a moment, closing your eyes. And I, I want us just to pray. I don't want us to just go out of here and feel like, oh, I've got to do something with what I have. I, I want you to just ask the Lord, invite the Holy Spirit into your life, into that situation. Some of you are, are thinking about relationships or your, your own finances where there just seems to be lack. And maybe it's a dream that just feels deferred and never is going to happen. And you just feel discouraged and numb. Bring that to him and say, God, I give you this dream. But ask him, ask him the question, what do I already have? God, what have you asked me to do with it? How am I supposed to walk with this thing that you've given me? God, we thank you just in this, this brief moment that God, you hear us, you see us. There's not one person in this room that you don't see, God, that you don't know everything about them. And we just say, God, we, we recognize that there is an invitation from you to us to trust you, to follow you. But also there's an invitation to take the small things in our life and say, God, do something I could never do. But I recognize you've given me this. I pray that today you would give new perspective, new faith. I pray that even as Vine Life community, that God, you would begin to release a faith and dreams that are bigger than what seems possible. Let us see with your eyes. Let us see with your eyes, God. God is highlighting just simple things, things that you thought were insignificant to people in this room. And he's reminding you that he's enough. I'll close with this. My mom used to sing a song to us when I was a kid. Um, the song was called it only takes a spark and the words say you know it only takes a spark to get a fire going and soon all those around will warm up in its glowing that's how it is with god's love once you experience it you spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on i sing it to my girls now but um something as small as a spark i mean in california we've just had you know the last two years devastating fires that actually started from a tiny spark in a trailer behind a, a car. So we're obviously not talking about destruction, but the, the power, the, the potential in it, something as insignificant as a spark can trigger something. And that's how it is in the kingdom. That faith ignites something in us that starts so small and grows, it becomes contagious. He does that in every area of our life. And sometimes we're just looking in the wrong place. I just, I just pray that God gives you new perspective and faith today. If you could just do this as Phil comes up, just put your hands out and just 
I, I feel like God wants to impart a new faith here today to fill your hands with the faith to, to cultivate what he's given you. So God, we just, we bless this church. God, I bless each person here. And God, I just thank you that God, these hands, God, these people carry a faith that releases hope and freedom all over in, the, in every place you've put them. And so God, we just say, we, we give you our lives, God. No matter how we view ourselves, we just say, we give you our lives. <laughs> use us as small as we would feel, God, use us to do what, what, what would seem impossible to man. We love you, Jesus, amen.